0: All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pursuit of Relentless podcast. I am excited for today because this is an episode that you guys are going to get a lot of notes from, a lot of takeaways, and some really useful tips and tricks on how to get your credit better. So I'm super excited. I've got Dylan Shively here with me today, and I'm excited to get everyone access to your story and what really led you down the path of getting into this field. Yeah,
1: for sure. Thank you again for having me. I'm
0: excited. Yeah tell us your story. So were you always an entrepreneur? Did you start out doing something different or what did it look like? Yeah. So pretty
1: much I started, I wasn't the best kid growing up. I barely graduated high school. I never went to college. actually got into a little bit of trouble, uh, that led me to go enlist into the army. So I was in the army for six years. And, uh, right after that, my first real like big boy job out of there was doing car sales. So, and and it's funny because I feel like car sales is your own business, and it may be a a different explanation than what some other people may think. Um, You know, but you are 1099 if you don't sell, you don't make money. You're just provided the inventory, the place to do it, the free marketing, and it's up to you to build the book of business. Yeah. So, uh, I did car sales for a few years, then I transitioned into wireless. Uh, So, I was working at Verizon. And uh, I worked my way up from a store manager to a district manager. I was running all the Pennsylvania locations. And uh, then after that, there was this interesting transition of throughout the years, if you look at what I did, it was always trying to get people to spend more money, to increase their monthly payments, to make them buy something. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had my fair share of people that did not get approved. And some of these people, they needed help. And they had nowhere to go. And I didn't have an answer. And so I knew if I were to help them, you know, increase their scores and get them qualified, this would get them access to things that they need, Mm -hmm. you know? And and for some people, it was good. Like, no, you don't need a brand new Hellcat. Like you just just, like (laughs) you don't (laughs) time, but that's not the commuter car to go to work. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway, uh, so all of my background has been in sales. And, uh, then after I was like, you know what? I want to do something different. I'm tired of people walking in wanting something and then me trying to convince them to get more than what they originally came in for. Like right. nobody's usually re- very happy when, um, you know, they're like, Hey, I need to pay my phone bill, which I don't even know why people come in the store anyway for that. But right. you know, some people walk in and they're like, Oh, I want to pay my bill. And then, you know, we're taught to try to sell them a new iPhone or a new iPad to go with their phone or whatever and increase their bill. Um And it didn't really feel that good. So I wound up having some credit issues myself. And long story short, I hired a company. It went really, really bad. Uh, I spent a lot of money with them. They barely got a hold of me. The only way they would actually call me is if I stopped depositing money in this escrow account that you know they had me put money in all the time. All of a sudden, they knew how the phone worked. So the communication sucked. The results were horrible. I never went up. I only went down. They never educated me. They never taught me anything about how credit works. And out of pure pettiness, I was just like, wow, if this company exists and they have tens of thousands of reviews, which means they've helped quite a bit of people and this is their way of doing it, I can do way better than this mm-hmm. because it was like subpar to say the least. Like It sucked. And uh, so out of just pure petty, pettiness and competitiveness, I'm like... I could do this shit better. Fixed my own, started talking about it. And then before I knew it, I'd get DMs and DMs and DMs and texts and calls. And, you know, I seen what you did here. Can you help me? What do you suggest on this? And I started to become known as this person that helps people with credit. And so I wound up uh, at the time, I actually bought my own Verizon store. They let you do like a managing partnership. Cool. And um, I sold the store back. And I went full-time with credit repair, just because I learned more about the industry. I learned how to structure it as a business and how I can help people. And it just felt a lot better knowing I was solving a bigger problem than just upgrading a phone or getting somebody a car.
0: I think that is such a huge lesson right there. Solve a big problem and see what happens. Like people freaking love you. They love you if you solve their credit problems. They love you if you help them with something and it's Mm -hmm. like, how come so many people are just like, Oh, I just want to sell a car. I'm like, well, what is that car getting that person? Right. What kind of peace of mind are they going to have? What does it look like when it comes to their future? Right. I think it's really important to talk about how it's actually going to benefit people. And there's a lot of careers out there that don't necessarily do that. No, I don't know. It's, it's really different having good culture versus bad culture, you know? Right. And I think it all boils
1: down to the internal aspect of it. So everybody's tuned in to the WIIFM, right? Which is what's in it for me. Right. Right. So there's transactional people and there's relationship-based people. Right. Transactional people do just enough to help themselves. The relationship-based people want to solve a problem because they care about solving the problem in other people and and helping other people. And they understand that quote of, if you help enough people get what they want, eventually you get what you want. Mm -hmm. And when you're not in a place either mentally or financially speaking, where, you know, life's a little bit easier for you in the sense of you're not too stressed about paying bills and things like that. When you're not in that place, people think that once I'm here, I'm going to do things different. And so it puts them in this cycle of thinking like they can procrastinate on it. And then when they get close to it, they're like, "Ah, actually once I'm here and then once I'm here, because it's all about them. Mm -hmm. And initially it's okay for things to be about you because you got to be the best version of you to give your best to other people. Mm -hmm. But there's never a switch of, Hey, I want to do enough. I'm going to help enough people that where it helps me. Well, now you're putting the people first. And most times that doesn't happen. Uh, that's, that's how I identify a transactional person versus a relationship based person. Mm -hmm. If you ask them about what they're doing and how it works, and it's all surrounded around what benefits them and what they get out of it, they're going to get some transactions, but they're going to phase out eventually and they're never going to get referrals. They're always going to be spending money to try to get new people to come in because they never take the time to work with the people that they've already solved the problem for.
0: Mm-hmm. That, I mean, like I can- there is gold, like just gold, man, gold. Because when you're going into those conversations with people, people expect you to be transactional. Mhm. They just do. And then when you surprise them with a thank you card or like something like that, it's like, oh my goodness, this person actually cares about me. It's like, yeah, man, we're trying to do it the right way. (laughs) You know, it's so different. But I think it's really important to focus on being the person who's building the relationships and going out and going above and beyond for your customers because they're going to send you your next customers if you do it that way. Right. Yeah.
1: It's so important.
0: it feels good.
1: You ever like, you ever get somebody when you're in line somewhere, maybe it's like Dunkin' or Starbucks, Starbucks or whatever, and the person in front of you just randomly paid for your thing? Yeah. Right? And it's like, you get that, you get that quick little like, wow, they yeah. don't even know me and they did that? And then what does it entice you to do? To yeah. keep it going for the next people, right? So with whatever business people are doing or whatever they're trying to do, Notice how it's, hey, you done something for somebody else with no expectation in return. That created a compound effect where now it changed their day. Maybe they were having a really bad day. You just helped them have a good day. And now because of how their mind changed, the people that come across them for the rest of that day for however long it lasts, which is typically to the next bad thing happens, they're going to positively impact the people around them because they just feel compelled to do so because somebody did something for them.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing though. I love referrals. That's my favorite way of building my business. Like we don't do marketing, we do word of mouth. (laughs) You know, word of mouth is the way to go because then it's like what Andy Furcell is doing. He's like, we're going after Nike, you know? And it's like, good good luck, but guess what? He's doing it because he has that mentality of relationship building right? Givers gain is one of my favorite, you know, things to think about. And it's like, if you can go out and oh, today was awesome. I went and I talked to this guy in the grocery store and I had to interrupt the conversation because he was talking to one of the other people that was working about money and I'm in the finance world. And I'm like, I love your conversation. I was like, yeah, like good job. Like talking about this in public, right? Like it's a big deal To get financial education out there, they were talking about the interest rates on mortgages and stuff right now. And I was like, wow, that's great that you guys are having that conversation. And then the guy's like, yeah, talking about how broken the financial industry is. And I'm like, I'm working on it. man. (laughs) Like we're working on it. It's just going to take some time because it's taken a long time to get to where we're at um, in the country right now. Right when it comes to people not doing as good as they hoped they would be doing by now. But it's a good reality check too, to go, hey, what do we need to do to get better with our credit, to get better with our finances, to get better with our businesses and our systems and stuff like that?
1: Well, it all starts with like the internal side of how people think, right? Because you have, you have that thought and that thought creates the emotion, yeah. Yeah. And then the emotion creates the action, whether that be something that you actually do or if it's inaction, if it's no action at all, that is still an actual action, Yeah, right? So the idea is we have to think differently about who we are, how we feel about ourselves, which you'll always build more confidence through actually doing things instead mm-hmm. of saying you are going to do them. Being proactive and having the conversations, spreading the word about what you're... Uh, knowledgeable and passionate about because people can feel it when it's real, Mm -hmm. like when it's scripted. So if you know that you have a problem to solve, it needs to be spoken about to every single person and you're not selling, right? You're not saying like, use me, use me. It's just a different conversation from an education and informing standpoint, because when you say things, you make people feel a certain way. And so you control, in a sense, how people can feel at least for a moment. So I always make the active choice to say, I want to add value and I want to do good and make people feel good. Because if I can make somebody feel good for just five or 10 minutes and just kind of give them a different perspective or a way of thinking, and they're like, man, I never thought of it like that. That actually makes a whole lot of sense. Well, now you got the gears going. Yeah. Right? And then they want to go share what they learned with somebody else. Again, it's that compa- a compound effect, but yeah.
0: nothing ever happens till you do something about it. That's so true, man. It's so is true. And when you're in the, the hard times, you're just like, Hey, this is, this is pretty shitty. It's hard to get out of, but at the same time, all you have to do is have that one conversation, that one mindset shift that you're like, this is what I'm going to do about it. Right sometimes you don't even know, but it'll just come to you because you're open and receptive to the answer. Right. And I think that when you're going into that conversation with yourself going, Hey, things need to change. You don't have to be like, I have to change this and this and this and this and this. It's like, what can I do right now to change that mindset? Maybe find a gratitude mentality and go, Hey, I have dealt with all of these hardships so that I can learn this lesson to be this new version of myself or whatever it is. Like when I was in debt up to my eyeballs, it was terrifying. It was awful. There was just like that stressful feeling constantly when you're just like, oh my goodness, I have $180 payment coming out on my credit card. And there's not 180 bucks in my bank account, or, you know, like it was, it was the worst feeling in the world being in debt. And yet so many people are struggling with it. And it just blows my mind that I'm like, Hey, how can we shift that mentality? Right? What do we need to teach people? I love the five times rule. This is something that I like to talk to people about. Um, so if I'm making a purchase, for instance, I ask myself, is it worth five times as much money to me? Because that's my future self getting paid, right? So if I'm going to buy a $50 outfit, well, I can spend 50 bucks now and have a nice t-shirt or whatever. But if I put 50 bucks in the markets and invest it over the next 5, 10, 25, 50 years, then what's it going to look like? Do I really need that t-shirt? You know, you're going to sit there and be like, nope, <laughs> like you totally don't. If you know what the compound effect of that action is going to lead to you. so. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I I have like, I almost
1: call it like a struggle in a way where, because I'm so strict with myself on certain things, like literally the only clothes that I wear is something that's branded to me, right? Like it's my company stuff, right? So, and then underneath it, this shirt is an $8 Sonoma shirt. It's like very, very comfortable. Um, and I have like 40 of them. I mean, <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, I only wear my stuff. I don't spend a lot of money on myself. And, um, here's an interesting concept. So I do get quite a few people over the years that would watch what I'm doing. And they're like, Hey, let me show you how to make that money, make money. And I'm never not open to the conversation. Um, but I have this really strict rule and this philosophy in a sense of you can't give what you don't possess, right? So we've probably heard some version of this, like, like. and sorry if this offends whoever, but if you're 400 pounds and I'm looking for weight loss advice, you're not going to be the friend that I come to. Right. It doesn't matter how much you know about doing it, because if you knew how to do it, there's no way you're telling me you would just choose not to do it. Right, so mm-hmm. it's not so much of the knowledge being the power; it's the action that somebody takes is the power. So when it yes. comes to the rules that I set for myself, yeah, it's like they would always say, like, "Oh, if you put this much money here, if you put this much money there," and I'm like, "I hear you. Let me ask you two things: one, do you do it? Can you show me where you're doing it? Right? And let's say even if they do say yes." then I say, okay, well, let me go see your portfolio and let's go compare it to what I do. Mm-hmm. And if you have more than me, I will listen to you. But if you don't, I'm not going to listen to you. And some people say, well, that's really foolish because you know they can still give you the strategy. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what they could give me because if it was that good, they would have been doing it themselves yes. way before. And they would have been like, you know, instead of let me tell you, It would be, let me show you the benefits of this, right? So I finally had a guy, um, and this just happened a few months ago, finally had a guy that I had the same conversation with, and you'll see how it's a long-winded version of answering this, but it'll make sense. So, you know, I had the same conversation and he didn't really approach me about it. I I liked his presentation and I was like, man, I want to talk to this guy more because he didn't pitch anything. And I was like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Whatever. And he starts breaking it down. And like, I just knew by the way he was talking about it. I'm like, I'm going to ask him and he's going to show me and he's going to have more than me. I just, I just feel it. And that's what we did. And that's exactly what happened. And so I have this thing where my response to all of those people to kind of like get myself out of it was whatever money you tell me to go put here, if I put that same money in my business today, I will 40 times whatever that return is in a fraction of the time. Yes. Right. And, and I can show you that with data, Mm -hmm. not just by my ego or whatever with data. I can show you, I will 40 times that return in a fraction of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so nobody ever had anything to say. Um, Mm -hmm. But now my new thing is because with this guy, we did open up policies, right? So I have cash value life insurance policies and, and all that stuff. Um, so now my thing is: hey, if I go spend the money here, what if I just do an additional payment here to bring down the time frame it takes for me to max out to start pulling out? Right. Because in the in the time frame of where I have mine sitting. Like, I have a goal that if I do the max out, I think it takes like 12 or 13 years if I max it. Ooh,
0: that's beautiful. Where,
1: where like, I'm good to go. So, um. I apologize,
0: guys. You're going to see this on video, but like my lighting is just so bad. I'm like, there, that's kind of better a little bit. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay,
1: I apologize. So, um, No worries. So, you know, now my new thing is like, I love putting money into my business because if I can make the business better, that means my employees are making more, they're doing more and ultimately we're helping more people. Exactly. Um, you know, but now I'm in the stage of making sure that my family's set up. So the second part of what I'm doing with my money is rather than overspending on dumb things I used to do, I'm now like, no, let me go dump more money in here because you know, I've been explained the value of like, hey, like I have a goal in mind and I have to hit it and I won't let anything, excuse me, deviate me from it. So. Exactly.
0: No, that's beautiful. So what do you see as like the biggest mistakes when it comes to your industry? Like what are some of the things that you're like, man, they all make this mistake or like this is one of the biggest things that I see people struggling with. What would that be? I will put it
1: in the format of explaining it like debunking some myths. Sure. Right, so myth number one is people think that Credit Karma is the reliable source to go to. Now, the addition in the mistake that I see them do is when they find out that it isn't and that the only reliable source is a paid, usually like 30, 40 bucks a month, is a paid subscription to get full access to the accurate versions of everything on your credit report, they make the active choice to not do the investment rather than say, okay, I guess credit karma can't be that off, can it? Because like, it's free, right? So that's myth number one is that it's accurate. Myth number two is when, or um, and the issue, the mistake is when they know it's not accurate, they don't think that they are valuable enough As a living, breathing human, they don't think their quality of lifestyle is not worth a $40 investment.
0: Yeah. And yet, where are they investing that $40 right now? Nowhere. I sat down with someone today who literally has a paid off house, paid off vehicles, and no retirement savings. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, like it's, What do you it's do? I'm like, yeah, you got to keep working, man. I'm like, good. You got a paid off house. Fantastic. You got vehicles paid off. Fantastic. Where's your income? Yeah. You can buy groceries. How are you going to pay for fuel?
1: You know? And how about when taxes keep going up on the property? So you still have to pay something.
0: <clears throat> and the utility bills and all the other things. And it's like, why don't we plan for it? Right? Why don't we plan for it? And it's so frustrating because there's so many opportunities to learn. There's so many opportunities to learn. Well, I think just it's interesting.
1: We at a time we used to crave for information, right? And then there's so many people that are giving it that now we're in the place of trying to dissect who's giving accurate information versus scam us. Right. And there's too many people that are scamming others that it kind of creates this defense mechanism of they don't want to get hurt again. Yeah. Right? And so they put their trust in and then they got burnt and then they don't want to, you know. So so like like I feel for it in that sense. But then at the same time, I say, okay, well, what's the alternative? Are you happy with how you're living today? Right. Like, like not. Not the planned answer you're going to tell me. Answer yourself in turn. Are you happy with where you are or could things be better? Right. And there's always going to be things can be better. So, yes, you're taking a risk, but it's actually a bigger risk if you don't do anything about it because inflation keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, if you're a normal employee, uh, you can't really out earn however many hours you put in. No, you know, unless you're something commission structured or whatever, then yeah. you have to be disciplined with that paycheck that comes in to put it in places to make the money work for you, and this happens with credit. Like, um, another big mistake is um, sorry, I don't know how else to word this, but like student loans. Yeah. Like, if you're, <laughs> oh, you can
0: word it just like that.
1: If you're not going to be like a doctor or a lawyer, um, you know, anything that super requires it. Like, yes, I only want the best of the best doctor to work on me, which means they went years and years of education, right? I want the best lawyer defending me. God forbid something were to happen that has years and years of education and experience. Um, But in today's world, you can create a whole business, like have a website, automations built, funnels, ads, and everything in less than 24 hours. Yeah. anybody can really start a business you know um, so the the issue that I see is when and it's not really our fault in a sense because early on in school you know it's mentioned and then that was the traditional way of growing up is going to college and getting the best college so you could go make a certain uh, salary at a certain job and like that was just the way that it was.
0: Retire when you're 65 comfortably right
1: right. Um, that's a reality student loan debts, but here's the issue. There's these people that are in my industry that lie to people and they try to say like, you know, we'll get rid of your federal student loans. Don't worry about it. We'll delete it. Don't worry about it. And then like people have this idea that it can just really be deleted. Like if the government's not going to try to get their money. Right. You know, so, you know, they get led down this path of people that are really good speakers, but they're not telling the truth to the client. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can get entry off the credit report, but it'll come back in 30, 60, 90 days from now. And they still owe the debt. Just because it's off the credit report doesn't mean, you know, that, I mean, oh my God, I could probably spend like the next seven hours telling you debunking some myths
0: and like common misconceptions people have about credit. Mm-hmm. Same financial industry is just, it's so, you can do such a deep dive, right? Like such a deep dive on what people are doing wrong. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I did that. (laughs) Oh yeah, I did that. Getting extra money taken off your paychecks for taxes. Yeah. Don't do that guys. It's not a good idea. Most of the time I will add a asterisk to that so that I don't get in trouble with compliance, but it's like, There's so many little things that you can do if you just learn, just put in the time to get that knowledge. And guess what? Most of the time that knowledge is free or like close to free, you know, like it's not going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a 10 year education. But yeah, I do want the best doctors working on me. You know, Mm -hmm. I want the best vet working on my dog's knee when she's got to get surgery. You know, I want to have that, but I'm also willing to pay for that. Right oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, so it's if, interesting. If I had a hundred thousand dollars, and it was for me to either go to college or start a business, I wouldn't necessarily say, "Hey, I'm going to go start the business, but I would go past whatever part of that money that needed to be to the person that is where I want to be within that business. Yeah, because nothing beats experience.: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's exactly you
1: know, like it. With with college it's more like and you know they have entrepreneur classes and stuff and I'm like how <laughs> how how is this person that works for the school that's obligated to be there that doesn't have a business how are they teaching other people how to build a business? Cuz yeah. again knowing and doing are two different things. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't acquire the knowledge, but if you knew as much as you claim to know, Why wouldn't you just start the business and create your own academy or school, especially in today's day, create your own academy or something that teaches people how to do it?
0: Well, and that's the thing that's so interesting to me. So you look at this and it's like, okay, maybe that person did have a business at some point and maybe they just want to go back to school because they feel obligated to teach people what they've learned. Think about it this way. You enroll as a student in that class, Entrepreneur 101. What business are you going to be running? You don't even know yet you know how are they supposed to teach you how to run a business if everyone's in it to run a different business right they don't tell you necessarily that when you're a doctor you're also an entrepreneur and you have to go out and build your own firm and like this is it's like oh i'm just going to go be a doctor okay well what hospital are you working at are you opening a private practice what does that look like right that's the entrepreneur side of things but they say go to school for 10 years and you're going to learn all that it's like yeah but No, you don't learn that at all, right?
1: You can can go take that money that you would have spent and make sure that you can pay your bills for the next year and go work for free, essentially, for however long you need alongside at a company or shadow somebody or intern with somebody. And they will teach you everything and you can learn it all in a year because it's happening actively today right now. So it's relevant to what's happening now.
0: That's what I do. I bring on people with no experience as long as they're good people and they can pass the licensing exams. We bring people on board all the time. And it's like, hey, I'm a pastry chef turn heavy equipment operator, turn financial services broker. Like mm-hmm. you don't think about that kind of transition, right? But it's like you go from being blue collar to not. And it's, it's a totally different conversation. It's a different um, mentality as well. And you're going through your day, like trying to serve others versus like, just trying to get through the next four hours on this whole track that I want to blow my brains out on, mm-hmm. you know, and you're sitting there in that job going, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I structured? Like, what, what, what am I doing wrong? If this is the life that I've got still, and then you just have to, like you were talking about, find those associations and the people who are going to encourage you to go try something new. To get out of your comfort zone, to teach you something, to go, hey, you want their life? Go have their life, right? Interview your future. Easy, You've gotta, you got it. You got to do Easy. it. Yeah. So, yeah. what are yeah. what are a couple other things before we wrap up uh, that you see that you're like, uh, people really need to to yeah. know this stuff, especially so, going into business.
1: Another thing is uh, in the credit space, people think that hard inquiries or inquiries, however you say, um, are the killer to their credit score Mm. and it's not, right? So uh, there are five factors that influence a credit score. And in order, it is, now let me say this first, the lowest your score can be is a 300. The highest your score can be is an 850. That means there's 550 points your scores can fluctuate. So think of, think of it like taking a test. Like um, uh, when I was going to school, it was like SATs or whatever. Like, you know, like you have multiple categories and you got to score points in each and it'll give you your overall score, right? Based on how you scored in those five categories. That's just how credit is. So your credit score is the ultimate score based on how you average out in these five categories. Mm-hmm. So payment history is number one. That controls 35% influence, which is 192 and a half points out of 550. Mm. That's so, huge, right, like 35% doesn't sound that big, but when you correlate it to a number, right? Out of 550, 192 and a half of them, that's your max score you can get is based on your payment history how many payments you're making per month and how many are on time versus how many are missed or late. Yeah. Then number two is utilization. That's 30%. Utilization is your credit card balances, right? So, and it's it's very uncommon. Here's kind of another thing, or it's very common for people to hear, oh, get your credit cards to 30% and you'll be good. But if you spend more than 30%, that's bad and your score goes down. Now, your score does go down, but you didn't do anything wrong. Your credit score in these five categories, what they're doing is it's assuming the probability of you defaulting on a loan 24 month, within 24 months of you having it, hmm. right? So your credit score is your risk score. How risky are you? Is it a high risk that you'll default within that time or is it a low risk? So, payment history number one, utilization number two. And that's 165 points. Now, credit cards are the most influential credit product that exists because credit cards report payment history and credit cards also report utilization. Right? So, that's 65% right there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, 65% of the score right there, credit cards contribute. And that's not where it ends you have the average length of your open active accounts, right? So it doesn't matter if you used to use credit and closed all your accounts, like that person paid off the home and the cars, they probably don't have a credit score. Right. And they're going to be like, well, why I did great back then, but it doesn't matter because they need to see what you're doing with your money today. So they can accurately assess your, uh, whether you're high risk or low risk of defaulting two years from now. But If you haven't, if you have everything paid off and you don't have active credit, they don't have a way to assess your risk level based on how you're currently borrowing because you haven't been borrowing.
0: Yeah. That's how this whole system works. It irked me so much when I paid off all my debt and my credit score dropped like a lot. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what do you mean? It just blew my mind. I should be good.
1: Yeah. but. That's not it. You just lost all ability for them to accurately assess your ability to make payments on time because you have nothing that you're making payments to anymore.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. So it's like, it's on the consumer side. You're like, man, this is fucking dumb. But like, I, I hate to say that I understand because let's go put our lender hat on. If you were going to go give someone $300,000 for a home and give them 30 years to pay it back. Wouldn't you want to know every single detail about them? Right. Right. So lending money is a is a very uh, profitable business. Why do you think banks exist? Right. Banks aren't just this safe house for you to keep your money in. They want you to deposit as much as possible. So the more you deposit, the more money they have available to lend out to other people. Your money gets lent out to 10 different people probably by the same day you deposit it. Why do you think you're incentivized to put the money in there? So then that way, that's like their insurance policy in a sense to say, we're going to use your money to now lend it out to 10 other people. We're going to charge them interest. We're not going to give you any of it because this is how we make profit in our business. Yeah. Right. We use your money and we use our system to go lend out everybody else's money.
0: I like to say they're in the business of making your money work harder for them.
1: Right so you know I don't like keeping my money in the bank for the most part um, you know obviously that's where investments and things come in but um, keeping it in in relation to credit uh, so the average age is 15% influence right to the score going up or down. So this matters because if you have two people trying to make a purchase, let, let's keep it to a home because a home is like a, a big purchase and a, and a long term one it's 360 right. months. Right. right. So, um, in that sense, when you're trying to get a long term loan, well, they want to see if you have history taking out long term loans and how you pay them back. So, if you don't have any history doing it, you know, it's like me applying for a, a, a job to be a brain surgeon. If I give them all my extensive background and all my sales, do you think that matters at all to go operate on brain? Ain't a way. No. It doesn't matter. How well I can speak or my previous, it does not matter. If I don't have relevant experience, I'm lesser of a candidate than the next person who does. Totally. And this is why it's an influence in the credit score. Because the person who manages more accounts for a longer period of time, statistically is less of a risk than somebody who isn't. Then you have the average age of, a or um, the uh, credit diversity, which is, a mixture of installment accounts versus revolving accounts, right? So revolving is like credit cards and store cards. Installments are going to be your personal loan, your auto loan, your mortgage, um, where the installment is you have an agreed upon time that you're going to pay back a debt. And once you pay it off, it's done. Revolving, you spend it and you get a new limit as you, or, um, you get more available as you pay it back down. So you know, just for anybody who doesn't know the difference, um, just to make sure to, to you know, give clarity there. So that's 10% influence, right? So that's 55 points. And then last and least is inquiries, which are is the last 10%, which is the last remaining 55 points. Now, the interesting thing with inquiries is they stay on your credit report for up to two years. And in month one to month twelve is when they ha- they can they can have a maximum impact of your score of that fifty five points. It can't mathematically systematically it cannot go more than fifty five points. Whether you have one, whether you have ten, whether you have a hundred, and on average it's like a three to ten point deduction when you get a hard inquiry. So based on how you're scoring in the other four categories. Inquiries are literally the last remaining 10% at 55 points. So, mm. and, and that's from FICO themselves. So, right, this, this isn't something that I came up with. The source is from FICO themselves. Mm-hmm. So if FICO is telling you out of the five categories, if payment history controls 192 and a half points, but inquiries control 55, you can't tell me the inquiries matter more than the late payments you just made.
0: Yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Well, not 100%. That would be bad math, but I agree with you 100%. And I think that that's the thing that people need to understand is that there's multiple different things that are going to impact your credit. It's not just, oh, you pay your bills on time, but that's a huge piece of it, a huge piece of it. And it's like, oh, I just forgot. I remember the first, oh my goodness. I'm going to tell a story. I remember the first time that I went full-time with my business and I was like, all right, this is awesome. And then the credit card company called me and they were like, I was a Chisholm at the time, Mrs. Chisholm. And I was like, e- yeah. And they're like, you missed a payment on your credit card for $47. I was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Because I was so used to having a paycheck every two weeks and just, it was just like a habit and I didn't think about it. Right. It was like, oh, I got a hundred bucks on my credit card, whatever. Right. Or, a thousand bucks or whatever. It was not a big deal. And then it was like, you missed a payment. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I can't believe I did that. I felt like such an idiot. And I was just like, Oh no. And then I was like, Oh no, it's going to impact my credit score. And it's like, the first one's free type thing. And I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. Cause I literally had like the perfect payment history. And I was just like, I can't, I felt so stupid. So I think that that's good to know that it's, it's like, yes, it is going to, impact you, but it's not like the absolute end of the world. If you miss one payment, you know what I mean? I mean, like it will
1: like, depending on how thick the file is, yes. Um, it is anywhere from 50 to a hundred points. It can hit, um, by just being late on one. Right. What, What makes that fluctuation is if we go back to the average age of open accounts, right. It's just literally the law of average. So if you only got three accounts, but you miss a payment on one, that's that 33.3%, right? You missed or you're late. Mm -hmm. Where if you had 10 accounts and you missed one, not a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal no matter what, but it's significantly less impactful to your credit score as you have more open accounts,
0: Mm -hmm. right? So- I didn't
1: That's know that. Saying, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a simpler way of explaining it. Like when people go through our program and they have like two or three credit cards and we're recommending them to get a couple more accounts, like a, a mixture of stuff. They're like, I already have this. I don't want more. And I'm like, well, do you want to win or do you just want to keep the same scores? Because remember if, if you don't change anything as far as the details of the credit report, the score will never change because the score fluctuates based on your risk level. Mm -hmm. So if you do the same thing every single month, you're going to have the same scores, right? So you want multiple accounts. Also look at like for like the whole COVID time. If you got two or three credit cards with a max four or $5,000 limit between all of them, well, when you spend two, three, four thousand you're almost maxed out in your score tanks. Where if we can teach you how to get, you know, 40, 60, 80, $100,000 worth of revolving lines of credit and god forbid something like this were to happen again well now you can still spend 20 30 40,000 before it really even impacts your score. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That helps people
0: get through a lot of things. Yeah, big time. Oh, there's too many too many people foreclosing on mortgages and you know like filing bankruptcies and stuff like that that could have been fixed with a little bit of like education and love and attention from someone else that's there to help them right so i always give people advice to ask for help ask for help big time because then as long that maybe they can point you in the right direction you know but don't be ashamed about where you're at i think that's also really important when it comes to talking about your credit and your finances in general because that's a subjects that people typically avoid. And it's like, why are we avoiding it? Everyone has to deal with money. Why wouldn't we just talk about money? You know, why wouldn't we talk about credit scores? Because if we don't talk about it, how are we supposed to learn about it? How are we supposed to get better at it and learn from the people who are doing it right? And it's, it's just a weird stigma that I would like to break. (laughs) It's just random fact there.
1: Like I tell people, there is nothing embarrassing about what happened the only embarrassing thing you're going to face is if you're aware of the situation you're in and make an active choice to do nothing about it. Yeah. By like not talking about it, not asking for help.
0: Yeah. And not doing anything to get it better. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's only so much you can do. If you're too far gone, you need help. Like yep. you just you need to ask for help, because, like for myself, I was a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I was not just gonna be like, "Okay, no problem. I'm just gonna you know dig myself out of that." No, I needed help. <laughs> I needed to have a conversation with someone because I didn't know what kind of vehicle loan I had. I didn't know how my credit card worked. I just knew that I had to pay it, you yep. know, and that it was charging me a bunch of interest that I didn't want it to do. But that was like it. And then it's starting in the financial industry, and I'm learning all of this stuff, and I was like, man, Why don't we learn this? Like, why don't we learn this stuff in school or like from our friends, you know, or parents and our mentors? And
1: Our parents parents? really didn't know too much. And I mean, kind of like tinfoil hat for a second. But um, the reason we're not taught that is like here, and this is just my opinion. um, Let's look at a super big picture for a second. If we teach every single person how to become financially independent and how to create their own business and how to leverage their credit to get things that they want, then you take away all the worker bees for the corporations. Mm -hmm. Because why do people work six, seven days a week or 50, 60, 70, 80 hours for somebody else?
0: Because time equals
1: money. In debt that they have to pay back. Yeah. Right. So if we teach everybody how to do it, where are we going to get employees?
0: Yep. It's so true. Well, not everyone's cut out for entrepreneurship, but at the same time, it's, I guarantee that you could probably do something on the side that will make you money. (laughs) You know, I ran into a friend the other day and she's a seamstress and she's like, yeah, I run my seamstress business on the side and I work, Uh, my day job. And I get lots of clients through that. (laughs) And I was like, that's fantastic. Right. But at least it's giving yourself an opportunity to get out and do something on your own. That's going to help you pay down that debt faster, or, you know, even just get into better financial shape faster, because when you start the ball rolling, it actually happens faster than you expect. You know, you think it's going to be like 20 years before you're out of it. It's not It's like five or 10, you know, like it really just depends on the person. Some people pay it off in two years because they've changed their money habits. I remember sitting down with one lady who was spending $1,200 a month at Tim Hortons. And I was like, okay, so (laughs) literally all you have to do is stop going to Tim Hortons. Mm -hmm. And your debt will be paid off in four months. Like... What do you mean? (laughs) You know, I'm like, it's really self explanatory. But at the same time, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. I'm just going to give you suggestions on what might help you get out of those situations. Right. But then I had to look back at myself and I was spending three to $500 a month at Starbucks and I had no idea. I just, it was just normal. I'd go to Starbucks, get a coffee, no big deal. And then you start looking. And uh, things like Mint, right, the Mint app, and it shows you every penny you spend, and you're like, "Oh my goodness! Oh no! Oh no! This is bad!" <laughs> you know,
1: I don't want to look at my DoorDash. No, <laughs> right? Yeah, like because I pay for like that Dash Pass or whatever. Yeah, and, like this is how I know it's bad. Um, you know, like you go in it, and it says like up top, like you saved X amount of dollars because you use it. All I know is mine says like, you so far saved like $752 by, so, so I can only imagine what the spend is, right? Yeah. Um, one, because like, I'm not that person that picks like the bottom tip. Cause I just feel like that's messed up. Um, yeah. Also, usually when I'm ordering, it's me, my wife and our three kids. Right. And then sometimes my parents come over. So I'm ordering for like five to seven people. Yeah. That's so that a $200 bill. Every single time. Yeah. You know? But it's just things like that. It's, you know, but, but for me, because of, you know, what I've built, how my brain works is rather than trying to figure out, cause I have the ability to create. Right. And I think this is what entrepreneurship really does. It gives you the opportunity to say, okay, If I need to make a certain amount of money to either fund a habit, to fund a project, to fund a hobby, I do what's called entrepreneur math. And I say, well, based on what I do, how many people do I need to help? So then that way I know it'll generate this much, Mm -hmm. deduct whatever it costs to make that much, and this is what I have remaining over. Right. Where like with the normal job and and please anybody that's watching that has a normal job. Um, I I do not bash the nine and five ever. Um, I did it for a good chunk of my life. Me too. And, um, you know, not everybody's made to do it. Um, and some people say I am OK with making X amount if I know that I have this much a lot of time to my family. Yes. Right? And so it doesn't matter. If you're an entrepreneur or not, right? So none of this is like a, a stab to say entrepreneurship is the only way. No, um, it is a great way, and it gives you the opportunity to create um, a different lifestyle for yourself, where the only way you can do that in the nine to five world is going nine to six or nine to seven or adding, you know, more time. But if that works for you, and you are truly happy with the quality of your lifestyle. Right. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Yeah. But I'm just saying for me, when I want to create something more, like when I'm like, man, I'd really love to enjoy, I would love to enjoy doing this for the weekend. And it's going to cost X amount of dollars. I will go and say, what can I do to go move the needle to get myself those funds? Right. Right. Where, you know, like if you want to do something this weekend, it's like, How can I say? So we're taught, Hey, you want more? This is how much more you got to work to get there. And maybe it's like, Hey, if I do five more hours of work at $20 an hour, you know, I'm getting a hundred more dollars. If you put that same five hours into a business and say, create 50 sales, that may be $3,000. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, both ways are great. Don't like I said, I'm, I, I'm not the person that bashes and says one is better than the other. It is, it is a hundred percent a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what lifestyle do you want to live? And if you're happy with the one that you have, you've already won.
0: Exactly. That's what it's all about. It's the pursuit of relentless, right? It's about going the extra mile for yourself and going, Hey, if I'm going to get up, early for someone I'm going to put in the time to grow myself late at night you know whether that's reading a book or and having a bath or investing in yourself right I think that's really important uh and too many people just tell me oh I don't have time and I'm like oh then sleep less yeah I don't know you like what do you what do you what uh, what else can you say right and st- structure your routine it a little bit differently like what what can you do to incorporate that self-care time or the time to look at your money or the time to you know do your fitness or whatever it is but if you structure your time so that you're able to go okay if i need to make an extra thousand bucks this month what does that look like for me mm-hmm. well if it's nine to five and you're making 20 bucks an hour that's a lot of hours that you need to put in and versus you may physically not have the time ability yeah yeah to complete that task. yeah. So if you can go, okay, well, maybe you're I'm gonna use a baker because I'm a baker. Um, not that I do cakes anymore. <laughs> Don't ask me for that stuff. It's a wedding gift only. Uh, but like, if I was to go out and do a cake, for instance, I'd make five hundred bucks, right? So I'd do two cakes a month because I had a kitchen at the time. Um, so it was like legal for me to do cakes in out of that place, but it was like, a thousand bucks a month. Okay. I can go do two cakes. It's going to take me six days total to do all of it. And I'm going to make my thousand bucks. However, then I'm still going to work and doing my nine to five. And I was working commission as well at the time. So it was like, okay, well, how can I then up my commissions, right? How much, how many sales do I have to do or what does it look like? And I don't know, it's just, When you shift your mindset from going, hey, all I can do is trade time for money, it's the cash flow quadrant, right? You go from being an employee to someone who's self-employed where you're still trading time for money, but you're able to be a little bit more in control of it. And then when you switch over to the right-hand side of the quadrant, it goes to business owner and investor. And so as a business owner, you're running a system, right? The system runs with or without you, which is what you've built. And I look at that and it's like, wow, I, I, I love that you've gone just from like zero to hero, you know, but that's because of the life that you've created. And I love that you're like, yeah, you just have to go create it. That's it. You just got to go create it. So yeah, it's just it, it's just how it works. Like entrepreneurs are
1: the creators and innovators of the world,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? The ones that go against the grain. And when everybody says it doesn't work, you sit there and say, well, how can I make it work? Because right. I know it's possible because there was things that we do today that are completely normal that 10, 15, 20 years ago was not the case. Yeah, right. exactly. So, so, um, and that that's the exciting thing. Like I get motivated by my potential. Like I challenge myself to say, no matter how great I'm doing at the moment, I know if I'm this far along at this point in time, if I'm not dead, that means I'm meant to keep going. Yeah. It, like that curiosity of how far can I get is what gets me going every day because what I do actually helps people. So like, it's one of those things that if I didn't get paid to do it, I would still do it.
0: I am I the same way. Do yeah. That's why I do a podcast. I'm like, if I yeah. can get people access to people like you, you know, which we're going to talk about next is getting more access to you. But if I can get people access to people like yourself, who are forward thinkers who are going out and doing the right thing in the world and going, Hey, we're here to help people. Yes. We're going to get paid to do that, but awesome. Don't I deserve to get paid, you know, going in and change your life. And yeah, of course. Right. So I mean, people spend six figures on a a degree
1: Mm -hmm. that they wind up never using. So
0: yeah invest in yourself, get some help, you know, for sure. Anyways, I know you've got a lot of awesome content that you're putting out. So where can people get access to you? Uh, The
1: two best places, honestly, one is going to be Facebook. So you can just search my name, right? And you'll come up on my Facebook. I'm going to ask that you follow me um, just because like I'm maxed out on the friends list. I even bought um, like this friend filter thing that deletes people when they become inactive with me, or they have like a deactivated Facebook, but it's still like the next day. Cause I just, I'll accept people. It'll, it pretty much stays maxed out, you know? So just follow me. You'll still get notifications. Um, the one that I'm spending a lot more time on is TikTok. Um, I actually do like TikTok a lot. Uh, so my handle or whatever is at your credit guy, um, you know, and then obviously compare it, you'll see me on there, you'll see my face. Most of the videos are with me talking, so you'll know that it's me. Um, so you just follow me on there. And if you wanna learn more about like our business and what we do and how it works, uh, you could just go to jameswarrengroupinc.com. I know it's kind of long, so maybe we'll put it somewhere or whatever, but um, you know, go to the website and check out what we're about. Google us and look at our reviews. Type in my name in Google and see what pops up. Yeah. Um, you know, if you need help, get help from the person that, uh, reputable people and companies are, are talking about and investigating and looking into, you know, mm-hmm. to find out we're doing what we say we're doing.
0: Yeah. Look at people's reviews. People do it. It's necessary. Yeah. I love it when people leave me reviews. It's me the too. best. It feels so good because you're like, yeah, I changed that person's life, you know? Mm-hmm so beautiful anyways that's our time for today thank you so much for being here you guys my loyal listeners i appreciate you and dylan i really am glad that you were able to come out today i got a ton of notes i'm like whoa i didn't know that oh i like that too there we go i wrote down a whole bunch of stuff for myself i apologize again for my lighting (laughs) shenanigans um but yeah thank you guys for listening share the show and see you next time